My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord. You found it. Yes. Good. <laughs> a blessed feast of St. Gregory of Palamas to you all. And a fe blessed feast of St. Patrick as well. I thought about wearing green vestments today, but that's getting a little wild. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I had the great privilege and blessing to meet Metropolitan Callistos Ware about 19 years ago. Actually, I met him on several occasions and got to visit with him briefly on those occasions. And he was up one time uh, at Seattle Pacific University and gave a wonderful lecture. The lecture was entitled, Are You Saved?, based on an experience he had while traveling on a train. And someone came up to him and asked him, you know, he's in his, in his cassock and rias and all, are you saved? And he went on to tell that. So if you get a chance, go on YouTube and type that in. You'll hear a marvelous lecture. I did not have that experience. I had another kind of experience. The spring quarter, when it was all over from the seminary, I was flying home for my summer of clinical pastoral education work. I was blessed to be able to come home to do that. And after that work, I was have to go back to the seminary for the last year. And as I'm flying home, I'm reflecting on my, to myself, I go, okay, you know, you got to start preparing yourself with a, a thesis you have to write. What are you going to talk about? What are you going to write about? And I, all these thoughts kept coming to my mind. But none really struck a chord. Then about midway through the program the, at the hospital, I was the chaplain on call that night. And so late afternoon, late evening, I was called to a room by a woman. When I walked in, she looked heavily weathered. She'd had a hard life. And I walked in, and maybe you remember me telling the story one time, but, but the TV was blaring, and she was yelling at the TV when I came in, and, and she just kind of buttoned out of her head to me and continued yelling. Finally, she said all she could say to the TV, turned it off, and then turned to me. I introduced myself a little more clearly, a little more fully, and then she began to talk. She began to tell me about her life, and it was a very hard life. A life filled with abuse, drugs, alcohols, and she was going on and on. It was a form of confession for her, and she was not Catholic. She was confessing everything that she had done. And the heartache that she had, the hurt that she caused her children because of the life that she lived. And after this, there was a pause, and then she started to recycle, go back through. And finally, there was another pause, and I thought, okay, this is my point. This is where I intercede now and say, what can I do for you? I was expecting, well, will you pray with me? Or like many, will you go to the chapel and pray for me, but I don't want you to pray around me. But she turned to me and looked straight in my eyes, and she says, I want to know if I have been forgiven. 
I want to know if I have been forgiven. She explained that she had done all she could to go back and make reparations with her family, with her children, tried to correct the best she could the wrongs that she had done. She wanted to know if she had been forgiven. And this became the theme of my thesis. A different kind of work. I wasn't writing some great research, though there was heavy research in it. But it was more of work to help me to be a better pastor. I wasn't interested in being published or anything like that. That has no interest to me. And so I titled the work when I was all said and done with the title, Forgiveness is the Innate Need of Man. Forgiveness is the innate need of man. In our gospel today, Mark, before our gospel, Mark is explaining all that Jesus has done, and Jesus is coming out with both guns blazing. He's healing people left and right. Right, great signs of his power were being shown to all people. It was gathering people from all over, so great crowds were pressing in. And that set up the moment for our story today, which I call the story of the damaged roof. As an ex-roofer, But what happens is when they lowered the, the man down before Jesus looked up and saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, and this is the, probably the, 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 the very core of Jesus' message of why he came. And what he says is earth-shattering. And we reverberate all the way to us and into the kingdom to come. Because it wasn't for all the miracles and the raising of or the sicknesses and all these things that he came. He came first and foremost for the forgiveness of sins. Because it was sin that brought about death. That had to be dealt with first and then the resurrection could take place. So he looks at the paralytic and he tells him those powerful words. Powerful words. My son, your sins are forgiven you. Maybe you've had an experience in your lives where you hurt somebody. You, you didn't mean to, but you offended somebody. And was deep. And your whole life has been unsettled by that. There's been a rupture in the way you live your life and the way your relationship is with somebody. And then somewhere along the lines, they come up and say, I forgive you. And you feel the great release because you were bound by all kinds of guilt and anxieties and complexes because of a broken relationship.
This is what Christ came to bring us. The healing of that broken relationship that we brought about as a result of the fall in the garden. But he would change the very nature of the way this forgiveness would take place. In the Old Testament, there, Moses had, was given the commands of how for they were, the Hebrews were supposed to go about to, for forgiveness between each other and for God, and all had to do with sacrifices, killing bulls and goats and everything. Sacrifice, sin offerings, guilt offerings, burn offerings, all these things. But these were merely an external forgivenesses. And they wouldn't and could not bring about the forgiveness in the very heart of a man. That would bring about a change in his nature. Circumcision, for example, is an external sign that, hey, I belong to God, I'm a member of God. That's for the Israelites, they had to do that. Much like a community would wear a certain kind of clothing to say, we're designated as these people with this mission. But Jesus would bring about a change from merely an external to an internal, and not just an internal, to the very core of who we are. So that circumcision would no longer be needed. What was needed is baptism because in baptism is where the grace that comes about that brings the change of man. The very core of who you are gets changed. And that's sacrament. And the sacrament of confession is like it. Because brought about in that sacrament is Christ himself who stands in the person of the priest and tells the person when they've come before him in humility, humble-mindedness, <clears throat> and with true contrition, take courage, son, take courage, daughter, your sins are forgiven you. It is in the power of forgiveness that comes from God, that brings about our change because it is brought, uh, brought to us by the very one who has the authority and power to do it. When we offend one another, we offend God. And so God is the one who can bring about that healing. If I offend Pawnee Kelly, then I go to you and I go to you and I feel bad about it. I'm telling you all of, that I did and I, I feel sorry. You might say, that's okay, Father, you know, do your best or whatever. But that won't bring about the healing until I go to her and apologize. And I hear the words, I love you and I forgive you. How much greater is it when it comes from God the Father through His Son? When he says, I love you, I forgive you, take courage, your sins are forgiven. This is the great gift God has given us through his son in the church. And the power that was given to Peter and the apostles and handed down to us, a binding and loosing that cannot take place outside 
of the priesthood and the sacrament of confession. Not at the ontological level, at the very level of your core, making that change. But we have to be careful of how we approach that sacrament. We cannot just rush in, jump out of the car without much reflection, run right up to the priest, go to confession, run right back out into the world. A good confession takes time, takes reflection. Real soul-searching of how have I damaged my relationship with God? How have I damaged my relationship with one another? Because I want to be healed. I want to be free of any guilt, any shame, any anxieties I carry with me. I want to let it all go and be free. But if we come with a prideful heart or false humility which is also pride, then we won't find the release we're looking for. You know, the Pharisees were there that day. They were in that house. But I'm sure, as the prologue would say, that Jesus didn't enjoy teaching the proud. Because proud men, men filled with pride and arrogance, don't want to be taught by anybody. Oh, they know it all, and they want to put you in a quarter and tell you everything you know. They know. They are proud men. You should come to them for wisdom and knowledge. But a humble man doesn't and prefers not to teach and would rather be taught. And it's the humble that will be exalted. Again, the prologue would tell a wonderful little saying. It says that an empty ear of corn stands straight high above the field, but a full ear of corn hangs down with head bowed. I bring this up about confession now because we're going into our third week of the great fast, and now is the time we need to start reflecting on making a good confession. For two weeks, the church has been teaching us through her prayers, enlightening us, reminding us of our sinfulness, looking at our actions from many different directions, trying to spur compunction in us, awareness in us, moving us from our laziness to do something about it. But as we head into the... the Sunday of the veneration of the cross, it's time to start thinking now of the power of the cross and the forgiveness that was brought about by it. And to take advantage of that great gift of the sacrament of confession. So begin preparing yourselves. Start thinking about it. Somewhere between now and Holy Week, you need to be making a good confession. You should want to. Because when you come and you confess openly with no hindrance and stand exposed before God, you will receive that which you seek. And through the prayers of the absolution of the priest, you will hear the words, my son, my daughter, 
your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness is the innate need of man. Because without forgiveness, we can't grow in love because we're blocked. There's a ripple, there's a tear, there's a wrinkle in our relationship. It's amazing if you have a sock wrinkled in your shoe while you're wearing it. It kind of bothers you until you get it out. The same is in our sinfulness and our hurts that we cause others and the offenses we cause and stand before God with. We need to remove that. Then we can experience the fruit of forgiveness. That is resurrection in a new and powerful way. The woman asked me, I want to know if I'm forgiven. And Jesus, through the sacrament of a confession, has given us the means by which we can respond to those words and come out a new creation. My son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Pick up your mat and go home.